cold? C O L D. Yeah, I know you're not a fan of the cold weather. We've got uh, we've got Ned's heat rock in here so that he'll be okay through the course of the show. By the way, happy belated birthday to well, you. Thank you. I didn't I didn't get a chance to tell you this week, but happy birthday. And to our colleague Josh Roberts. Yeah, Josh Roberts' birthday this week. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm doing great. I like the cold, so I, I'm gonna thrive in this weather. You're, Alex Scott, I, I it was. Take, I take back my birthday. Unhappy oh. birthday. <laughs> Alex Scott did not have a birthday this week, so. Yeah, feeling left out. Yeah, you're wearing your. He's, Alex in here in his Steelers gear. He's representing. We play again today. So. Can't wait to watch us struggle. Going to be. Yep. If you'd like the address so that you could come by and deface Alex's car, I'll pass that along <laughs> to you a little bit later on in the show. But let's uh, let's start out the show and talk about what happened. Last week with the Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee gave the Chiefs, I mean, they won that game basically through three and a half quarters. They were the winner, but the Chiefs found a way to win, and they did. Yeah, the way to win is Patrick Mahomes, and he is such a spectacular athlete that he can do so much when the pressure is on, and the pressure was on. Tennessee had a 14-10 to 10 lead, 14-9, I take it back, 14-9, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, here they come back, and Kansas City needs to get something done. So you know Mahomes is going to go to the air. Tennessee knows Mahomes is going to the air. So what do they do? Put the pressure on him. And when they do, when they put on that all-out bull rush or all-out blitzes, there's nobody there at home. And Mahomes is, there's just nobody in the NFL, maybe the world, who is better at escaping situations like that than Patrick Mahomes. And his legs carried him. I think he was the Chiefs' leading rusher last week. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. That says it all right there. He has the magic ingredients to rescue a team in dire circumstances. And that's that's why I think this team is, if not headed to the Super Bowl, is certainly headed deep into the playoffs. What were your thoughts about the Chiefs more or less abandoning the rush last week? Well, they, they didn't, they're just not a rushing team. That is not their strength. And Tennessee was able to take that away from them. Interestingly enough, by contrast, that is Tennessee's strength. They are a running team. That's what lost for them last week. Their quarterback, the rookie, could not, just simply could not manifest any kind of circumstance in which he felt comfortable. And when they did have to pass, you saw what the Chiefs did. They flustered that poor kid. He didn't know what to do and he's completely falling apart in the backfield. That's how Kansas City won. We talked about having Ryan Tannehill in there. If he had been there and everything being equal, Tennessee might have won that game. Tennessee's tough. They were an impressive team, other than the fact that they started a rookie quarterback, and they don't have anybody to throw to. They have a, a fairly decent tight end, but their wide receivers are mainly used for blocking. And there's hardly any teams in the NFL that <laughs> that's their key for wide receivers anymore. Well, that's just it. When you're running into a, a different philosophical approach, and Tennessee does have that. Might, well, we have a Derrick Henry on your team. Yeah. That's what you're going to do is run the football. And that's what, in a sense, that's what the Chiefs will see this week, too, with Travis Etienne back there for the Jacksonville Jaguars, although Trevor Lawrence is capable of throwing the ball a whole lot more. It'd be a different, a different set of circumstances, but nonetheless, not an easy one. What did you think of last week's game, Alec? Uh, you know, I think every team's capable of going out there and laying an egg, and that may have just been an off week for the Chiefs. I do want to give credit. I think that Tennessee defense played their guts out. Mike Vrabel has that squad play hard every single week. But when you don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball, sometimes you just the odds are stacked against you. Chiefs found a way when it mattered, and that's I think that's the recipe for success for them, and that's something that they've got their brand on now. They when when it 
is time to make a play, they usually make it more than they don't. Josh is on Chiefs strike right now. He's not happy with the way the Chiefs play, so he just watched the highlights. What do you think of the highlights, Josh? <laughs> well, I think it proves what I said last week about how schizophrenic their offense is. I mean, you know, we talk all the time about how many weapons they have on offense, and and you can give credit to Tennessee's defense. They're obviously better than I thought they were, but that the Chiefs should have easily beaten that team, especially with a rookie quarterback. And all, I mean, Travis Henry, excuse me, Derrick Henry is going to get his yards because that guy is a stud. He's nearly unstoppable. But they had nothing else, and they still pushed them to overtime. The Chiefs had to score in the last seconds to get it to overtime. They were losing that game. And so that's what I mean when I say they're schizophrenic. They have all these weapons. They have all this uh, ability, and I don't think that they are rising to the occasion. You're missing a key point also on that, too. And to get to that overtime, to force a tie, it was 17-17 tie, they had <laughs> three opportunities to get a two-point conversion. Right. Three of them in consecutive fashion, two penalties. Well, wait a minute, what is this? And on the third one, they were able to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Andy Reid, I think there's, what, 32 teams in the NFL now? 32. Okay, Andy Reid has a... Winning record against 29 of the teams in the NFL. One of the teams that he does not have a winning record against is Tennessee. Interesting. For some reason, they just have the Chiefs' number. And last week, that kind of played itself out. I mean, the, they were very stout defensively. They played a very good defensive game. But on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs played a very good defensive game, too. Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, look. They didn't have their starting quarterback, but they did have Derrick Henry, who's the number one running back in the NFL. They gave him a little bit in the first half. Second half, they keyed on him and shut him completely down. I'll tell you a little story about my watching that Chiefs game because it was it a was Sunday night game, okay? And so my my son comes in and does runs the board for the Chiefs game. And I always tell him, wake me up when you get home. And I, I got the I got home and I watched the game and it got to be the third quarter and I was like you know I hate watching the Chiefs lose so I'm just gonna go to sleep and so my son comes in wakes me up and I'm like Whoa, what time is it and he's 12 30 and I said what happened he goes game went to overtime and I said really who won he goes the Chiefs and I you could have knocked me over with a feather <laughs> because again the Chiefs don't have to play well for the most of the game and they can still win they're still that type of team. They are indeed, and that I think represents the fact that they are a very good football team. Are they unbeatable? No, they are not, and I do think they'll lose before this season's over. But not very many. This team is this team is solid. They also have an easier part of their schedule if there's anything in the NFL that is easier. They're approaching that point of the season. This is not an easy game coming up today, though. Jacksonville doesn't have a great record. They're 3-6. and six. They have played better in, in recent weeks. But this is the NFL, and you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for you, Joe. Is this a trap game? No, 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 oh, no. Oh, they're no. all professional, professional athletes. Professional athletes. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, sorry. For, I forgot which one we were on right now. <laughs> yeah. They're we'll all come, professional we'll, we'll athletes. We'll come to trap games in a short time. But. Okay, but do you think today is a trap game? No, no. I think Kansas City wins this one. I don't think it's going to be an easy win for them, but uh, but I do think they win. What do you think of Trevor Lawrence? Is he? Uh, oh, is I think he... he's the, he's the next real deal. Really? I do absolutely. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think you'll see that today. This guy keeps us cool in the backfield. 
a lot of teams, and the Chiefs will be one of them, put pressure on him because he's still new to the NFL, but he has certainly proven himself to be an in, unflappable character back there in the as, at quarterback. He is able to engineer a pretty good attack. Mostly, they're more running than they are passing, but they're multifaceted. Jacksonville can do some things. It, I, I find this to be a very interesting football game coming up. You found Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's our local live sports talk show. We do it one hour before the Chiefs pregame show, and that hour is ticking away. It's about 53 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. Alec, what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars? I think they're trending in the right direction. You know, Jacksonville's kind of been the butt of the joke in the NFL for so long, just waiting for them to get relocated or just how they'll fail next. But new coach in, they got Urban Meyer kicked out. I, I give Trevor Lawrence a pass on that rookie season with how – terrible the coaching situation was how toxic it seemed the culture in the building was with all that I think you can kind of look past that and look at what he's doing this year and you know like you said three and six records not great but all those losses have been within one possession they've been there in all the games and I think I think today is going to be similar I think they'll play Kansas City tough we'll see which way it goes in the end but Trevor Lawrence is growing each week he's got some decent weapons and they're running the ball well and if they run the ball well and they can keep that time of possession, it will keep it close. Josh, Alec used the words trending and but in the same <laughs> segment. Can you top that? Uh, no, but okay. I can tell you that uh, I think I I agree with what you're you're saying, Alec, with, you know, their games have been close. So they're showing some promise. I think they need some more. Uh, they need some better players around uh, the quarterback before he can really shine. But I, I think he'll be a good quarterback. I think he'll you, be. You're not going to say his name, are you? I'm not going to say his name. Why not? Why because won't you say. Alabama. Just say Trevor Lawrence. No, no Trevor. I'm not going to say Trevor. it. So you're just it wasn't say just him that beat Alabama. Well, come on. He was he was <laughs> a standout quarterback at Clemson. Him and his hair. So him say, and his hair. It Clemson. was him and his okay. hair. But anyway. Uh, I'm I think jealous he is, of. I think he is a good quarterback. I think he needs some better protection, and I think they need to build that offense some more. And then they'll. I think they, they could be a playoff contending team because they are playing close games, and that's that's a good marker for a team that's traditionally been bad is when their games are close, that means they're making those strides, they're getting there. Ned, what do you think we're going to see today from the Chiefs? I mean, Josh is arguing that they're schizophrenic. I'm a little concerned because I'll disagree with you a little bit. I know running is not their bread and butter, but when they do run the football, they're a better team. And uh, I'm interested to see if they'll try to get back to establishing at least a little bit of a run before they turn everything over to Mr. Mahomes. I don't think there's any question that any team that is diversified is going to have a major advantage over its opposition. I think what Kansas City does in this game is go out early and establish themselves, maybe build up a touchdown, maybe a touchdown and a field goal, or maybe even two touchdown lead in the ballgame, and then take their foot off the gas pedal, so to speak, and let Jacksonville try to catch up to them because they know fully well that Jacksonville, although they did come from 17 points down last week to win, is against an inferior team. The Raiders are just not playing very well. Kansas City does not fit into that category. I think that's what the Chiefs do, establish their superiority first and then kind of play a routine football game. Uh, Andy Reid is a smart guy. He's been to the playoffs before. Look at his 14-year career record with the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know what he's able to do. 
And what they do is is rather interesting. Everybody, oh, they, hey, they lose the point spread. They're one in five against the spread. It, it may be by design because this is a league in which your rate of attrition makes a really big difference toward the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs have lived a charmed life. They, That's well, true. And I don't mean charmed life in a negative sense. They have not had any serious injuries. Much of that is because of the way they play the game. They take their, their foot off the pedal Play conservative football. Why? Because you're not taking any great risk. Now, it is football, and anything can happen, but I think you're lessening your chances when that happens, and I think it's a very smart way to play. Me, Cole Hardiman is out today, so that's one of Patrick Mahomes' major weapons. Not in, And he's a guy that um, our colleague John Oliver would always say, he needs to step up, he needs to step up. He mm-hmm. stepped up over the last few weeks Definitely. and has made an impact for the Chiefs. He's using that speed. He's able to get open, caught some big balls, and now he's not in there right now. still have Travis Kelsey. Yes, you still have Travis Kelsey, but, um, you know, every time they show a Dolphins highlight, mm-hmm. I'm just a little... <laughs> oh, no, just, I no. can understand that. You have Juju Smith-Schuster in there, and then you have the kid from the Packers, Valdez Scantling. He's he's had caught no touchdown passes this year, but still Smith-Schuster and the other members of that receiving core, including Tony, who they have from the New York Giants, they present a formidable level of opposition. And uh, now, hey, this is Mahomes we're talking about. He can find anybody at any time. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. I wanted to mention this, too. I saw on uh, the Tweet Machine today, which I I try not to look at that much anymore, but uh, there was a story that said that OBJ had narrowed his list of teams down to, and the Chiefs are on that list. What do you think? I would be hugely surprised if they make an attempt to get him. Hugely surprised. Well, he wants to play for the Chiefs. And so do a lot of other players. <laughs> I know, but they're under contract and he's not. So, I mean, well, that's the big difference. I, w- I think he probably goes to either the Bills or the Rams and stay- or stays with the Rams, although the Packers are said to be in the hunt as well. It's still, he's coming off a knee injury. Yes, he is an outstanding receiver, but yes, he hasn't played all year long. He hasn't played since the Super Bowl. And you have to think there's a lot of rust at this time of the year. Uh, I wouldn't take a chance. What do you think, Alec? You know, I when I look at OBJ, I'm looking at Dallas. I see it's uh, Dallas another yeah. one. I think that's a team he's interested in, and I think that's a team that when you look at need, they have CeeDee Lamb there in Dallas, but then they have Michael Gallup coming back from injury, but their the receiving core gets thin from there. And if you look at with a winning record and you look at a team that, you know, if you have a sales pitch to Odell Beckham, who, you know, for better or worse, I think he's a bit of a showman as well. <laughs> Odell's got a brand that goes with That's him. Polite. And I think I'm going to be a little more polite to him than I think you guys <laughs> yeah. tend to be. But I think Dallas is a place that fits him well and needs him. I think ultimately Kansas City's interest in Odell Beckham will be real, but when it comes time for money, they're not going to want to pay what a team like either Dallas or maybe even Buffalo is willing to pay. He just wants to win. He wants to come back just in time to try and secure another championship. 
I think everyone who's looking at that has to keep Kansas City in mind because they're going to be there late in the year. They have one of the better chances to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he ends up going to Kansas City. I think that room's too crowded. Here's the list. Cowboys, Bills, Giants, Chiefs, Rams, Packers. I don't know why he would go to the Packers because I, I think the Packers are trending, to use Alex's term, trending downward. I don't think that they're a team that they might any, not even make the playoffs this year. Seriously, not a very good football team. The Rams are kind of in the same boat. Rams have a tough schedule, of course, because they're the Super Bowl winner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't think he'll go there. So the Giants are a possibility. Cowboys scare me. Uh, I watched Cowboys play last week, not by choice, but it was the only game that was on because of the, we'll talk about that in a minute, because of the situation locally with TV. But, um, yeah, the Cowboys are a very impressive football team. Bills, of course, we've seen them, a good football team. The Giants are better. But let me ask the three of you this. We'll start with Josh. Could this be a baseball move? Where the Chiefs take him to block him from going to other teams. Well, I, I, I don't see that happening as much in the NFL as it does in baseball. I don't think that that would be their their reasoning. I think if the Chiefs are going to make an offer, it's because they think that he can actually help them get over the hump and win another Super Bowl. But I don't see him fitting in with the Chiefs very well. That's just I think he would fit in better with the Cowboys because they're vilified throughout the world. <laughs> Well, they're used to the prima donna wide receiver, too. Well, yeah, and yeah, they kind of they they accept all that. Alec, what about you? I I just don't see it personally that that Juju's really coming on. I think we're starting to see him and Mahomes really build that chemistry. They're already trying to work Kadarius Tony in as the new acquisition. I think just adding another receiver into the mix while talented, I just I think that muddies the water too much for them. I think the interest is maybe more Odell's direction to the Chiefs than Chiefs to Odell. We don't even have to talk to Ned. He's been sitting here shaking his head the whole time. They got Kadarius Tony because they knew fully well they were not interested in Odell Beckham Jr. And I don't know the guy. I don't have any reason to say this, but I wonder about from team to team, He's gone to the you know Giants and all those years. He's not a kid. He's, what, 32, 33 years old, somewhere around there. Giants, the Rams, plays with them in the Super Bowl. But what kind of a chemistry does he have as a team? No, I don't think they're interested in all. The Chiefs do have the money. There's no question about that. That deal that sent Rashad Fenton to the Atlanta Falcons, that cleared up some cap space for them. But I don't think he's the one that they got that for. It may be another free agent somewhere along the line that fills maybe a defensive line or offensive lineman. Again, you have to look at your rate of attrition as the season goes on. When we come back, we'll talk about your broadcasting opportunities. Today, it's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 36 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. Until then, you've got us, four guys sitting around shooting the... Breeze. Breeze. (laughs) Talking about sports, Ned Talk, Joe Weston, Josh Roberts, Alex Scott, and the guy whose everybody's name knows, 
everybody knows his name. Something like that. Yeah. Ned Reynolds sitting here. Uh, if you want to watch the game on Direct TV today, you cannot as of this you morning. You have to conjure demons to do That's it. right. Because <laughs> there's a conflict between Direct TV and our local CBS affiliate, Color 10, calling them out on this. Let's get this thing straightened out. Come on. Let's do this, folks. I'm yeah. a Direct TV subscriber. Mm-hmm. So I can't watch the game right now. Kind of make me unhappy. Well, we're living in a different time. Ladies and gentlemen, if that hasn't been impressed upon you by our lifestyles these days, it is a totally different time. 25, 30, 35 years ago, this would not have happened because we had over-the-air television, of which I am still a devotee, thank you. <laughs> but we don't now. We Well, we do, but it's cable and it is satellite and it is... No, the streaming is not affected by this. And I'm a I'm a streaming subscriber, as am I. So we will we'll be able to see the game. But it but with and and anybody else who has another and I think there's is it one other satellite service? I'm a, I must admit, Dish Dish is Dish. not included in this. I don't think. No, I don't think Dish is involved in this. But Directv is a very popular, although diminishing species in the in the context of communications these days. They all are. They're all, streaming is the one taking over. But having said that, uh, the folks at DirecTV still have a large subscription basis, and no, you cannot see the game because of the argument that has developed. These things never would have happened a quarter of a century ago, but they do now. You have contracts, you have everybody wanting their share of the pie, and that's what happens. One of the things I find really interesting about this age that we live in is there's this kind of thought that... Everybody streams, or everybody does this, or everybody switches to satellite radio, or everybody, you know, (laughs) or nobody reads the newspaper anymore. And that's just not true. It's just not, it's just not true. And people abandon things because of the thought that everybody has left the sinking ship when it's just, that's statistically it's proven not to be true. Joe when you when all of these decisions are made they're all based on numbers individuals who are in charge sit in a quiet room somewhere and they maybe a cigar filled room who knows but regardless they are looking at ratings they're looking at numbers they are not necessarily talking to people that's how decisions are made these days not just in our industry but in every industry a lot of yes right. a lot of it and you know what those people are called Nerds. <laughs> well, no, well, I, I guess I guess this would be a synonym I, for I, professional I mean, athletes, actuary, oh. actuaries, Actuary. which is one of the lowest stress jobs in the world because you're just sitting there doing tables and you're figuring out statistically how things work. I had somebody one day. Uh, I was here in our building and somebody came up to me and said, "You know, it's really cool that you on Saturday and Sunday get to play what you want, but." That would never work at the, she came from another group of stations here in tension. It would never work because they had the music down to a science. And I was like, music's not science. Art's not science. What people do, what their habits are, not always science, how people do things. I kind of find it really interesting when I see all the streaming services picking up sports and, and broadcasting sports. Do you watch on streaming services. I, w- I don't watch Thursday Night Football. I just won't watch it because no. my first experience with it was 
not good. I mean, the, well, the, the Amazon first one that I watched good. was the one the that you game. saw, the Chiefs yeah. game. And in my system that I had in my house, it was fine. I think one of the uh, pixelating circumstances that you ran into were alternative methods that were being used so you could see the game. I'm thinking that's the case. But do I watch it? No, because the matchups have not been very good. Part of this is happening because, again, let me give you guys a story that uh, did uh, well, KY3 was still M for you know, 55 years, but 47 of them full-time. And it was, I always, always was sitting on the boss's desk, will you give us more time? And the answer was, it doesn't merit more time because not that many people are interested in sports. And then they'd show me the numbers. And the numbers always verified that. The percentages of people who, and it's the way you ask people questions. Do you, right. do you give a darn about sport? Well, no. Do you give a damn about weather? Oh, yeah, yeah, weather. That's so sure. misleading when you take a poll like that as to really skew your numbers. There are the sports fans are very dedicated individuals. And no, not all of them are hardcore. But yes, there is a large majority who are large, uh, hardcore and casual. And that fits a general level of population. But that's not included when you take a look at the numbers. Uh-uh, that's not how they ask the questions. And my argument to that is, you're missing the point in doing that. My thing, too, with it is that sometimes when you look at people who are willing to stop and fill out a survey or willing to stop and do something, I don't think that that group of people is necessarily representative of the entire uh-uh. group of people. And some of the things that are interesting to me is when I grew up as a kid, Alec probably is the only one in this room that doesn't have this experience. Monday night football was an event. Oh, yeah. And it's not just because of the people who did it. They were part of it. But it was Monday night, the only game on the schedule. And the other networks basically didn't schedule anything against it because they knew they were going to be slaughtered. And I can't tell you the last time that I sit down and go, ESPN, Monday night, got to watch this game unless it was the Chiefs game. Just I'll turn over at the end to see what the score was, but that's about it. And, Joe, that, that's a very good point. It was unique at the time and unique for the, the better part of a decade that it did rule. But then everybody else, they lessened the rules, and everybody else got involved in it too. And gradually, like everything else, the level of interest waned a little bit. But, gosh, now you're too young to remember this, Alec, but back in its heyday in the early 1970s, you had Howard Cosell and Dandy Don – calling the shots, and it was it was a show, and they made it a show. Gosh, remember that game, the Oakland Raiders playing? I don't remember who they were playing in, all honesty. They took that isolated shot at the fan in the stands, and he gave them the KY1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was non-tape. That was live football. Oh, yeah. yeah there was no delay on that. It was a thing to watch the Monday night games, and I remember as a kid I was at my sister's house, and Howard Cosell comes on during the game and announced that John Lennon had been shot and killed oh, yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. And you would never hear anything like that during a broadcast of an NFL game today unless it was, you know, a major, that was a major story. But it would have to be, you know, on the level of a 9-11 attack or something like that for them to interrupt an NFL game now to talk about something like that. And I think that goes back to the point one of my feelings about sports these days is I think people are way, way, way too serious about sports. It is a recreation. It is to be viewed as a recreation. 
But it's a different concept, Joe, because not necessarily today, but it always has been. It's the great escape valve in everybody's life. Uh, We all have our pressures. And how do you relieve those pressures? Well, many of us do it through sports, Mm -hmm. through your identification with an individual or a team. That's what it's designed to be. But to take it to the ultimate serious, and the ultimate serious is getting into fights and arguments and maybe even worse. No, that is not not called for. I had somebody I was talking to, I think it was was Josh, talking about going to a Chiefs game and there was somebody at the Chiefs game that was uh, not a fan of the Chiefs. They yeah. wore jerseys for another team. It was a mother and a daughter, and the people just berated her during the game. And I just thought, we're way too serious about things like that. Right. Let's just enjoy the fact that we all get to sit back and, and watch sports together. It's fun to give Alex crap about, hey, you're a Steelers fan. It's fun to give me crap because I grew up as a Raiders fan around here. It's, it's fun to joke with each other about I joke with – with uh, Josh about being an Alabama fan, a joke with Ned about being a, a Philadelphia fan, but that's but we're all joking. it is. It's it's, yeah. it's a joke. We're joking. Ultimately, I don't care. I mean, I'm glad that you're a fan of something. I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you're a fan of sports. But I think sometimes we lose sight of those things because it, it, more and more money is involved, and that's. We talk about that every week. It is the big problem, I think, with sports. You guys are probably a little bit too young to remember when the Chiefs, when the television networks didn't really really have the NFL in contract the way they do now. And the Chiefs games you listen to on the radio. And one of the key parts of that broadcasting team was the late Bill Grigsby, who was nothing short of hilarious. The guy was a wonderful public speaker. He was a great promoter. But with the Chiefs, he always used to, if the Chiefs happened to lose a game at the very end in the wrap-up show, as you're leaving the parking lot, hey, it's a game, folks, game. Take your take your hand off the horn. Don't get out and fight with your – no. Just get home on that highway. You'll be fine. Right. And it, they always made a point out of doing that, and that's really it, – it's accurate. It is a point of fun and recreation. Well, I can tell you the first time I went to a Chiefs-Raiders game at Arrowhead, there were so many fights in the stands. It was a distraction from watching the game. I looked. I was in the end zone seats, and I looked up into the upper deck at one point, and there was a guy fighting another guy, and he had him dangling over the railing oh, of no. the upper deck. If he had let go of him, he would have fallen to his death. But he was holding on to him so he could punch him in the face more. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? These are the fans. And so part of the problem is fan can often be a, a – an abbreviation of fanatic. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem is people get so wrapped up in this. It becomes such an escape valve for them that it becomes too important to them. And that's something that I've had to, to disconnect from as well. I used to yell and scream and cuss at the TV when Alabama didn't play well or when the Chiefs didn't play well. And I have to take a step back and say, this does not affect my life at all. It's entertainment. It's supposed to be there for me to enjoy, which is like I've told Joe and you guys. That's why I've taken a step back from watching as much football as I've been watching, because I found myself doing it again. And you make a very interesting point that a lot of people overlook. How are you personally affected by this? What does it mean to you? Yeah, when people say we, when they're talking about their favorite sports team, I often say, oh, you work for them? (laughs) Are you playing tight end? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I've noticed about Chiefs fans, and I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, a little crap here, is that if they're going to the game, they'll tell you about 10 times. 
I'm going, I'm to, going game. to the game. I'm going to the game. Yeah, every time we we yeah. ask Jake if he's going to be on the show, I'm going to the game. Going to the and game. then if, if somebody else makes a comment about something else, did you see that? Nope, going to the game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when we come back, we'll talk about, well, we'll just talk about more sports. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Our job is to get you warmed up for the pregame pregame crew, which is coming up in about 17 minutes. I am Joe Weston, your host for Ned Talk, along with Ned Reynolds, Alex Scott, and Josh Roberts. And Ned, you are our go-to guy when we have to talk about Missouri State sports and what's happening right here in town. So yesterday, the Bears played their next-to-last game of the season. How did it turn out for them? It was a win for uh, Missouri State, 25-22 to over Youngstown State. And in a sense, some very rewarding retribution for Missouri State. Last year, the Bears went to Youngstown. They were a heavy favorite over the Penguins, and Youngstown State won. Well, this year, Youngstown State comes here. They were, and it's past tense now, were in the playoff hunt. Bears, of course, were long eliminated. But Youngstown State came in here with really a a one-faceted football team. I didn't think they were very – they didn't play very well yesterday. Out-statistic to the Bears, but that's not how you win it. The Youngstown State team is much more ground-oriented, and their passing attack is very limited. Missouri State, vice versa. They're much more pass-oriented than they are running. Well, the Bears were able to, down the stretch, get a pretty good game out of uh, Jason Shelley, who I think was 19, I'm one, uh, my memory's a little foggy, I think he's 19 of 37, which doesn't sound very good, but indeed a lot of those passes were key elements down the stretch. And the Bears were able to pull it out after the lead jockeyed back and forth. But I didn't really feel like, th- I, will t- I will tell you the Bears played a lot better. But still, Jason Shelley was sacked three times in that game. You, that's just giving up too many. Youngstown State's quarterback was sacked once. Their running game was over 200 yards, but they were unable to come up with big plays, which you have to have in today's football society. You have to have the big game breaker to come away with the victory. And they were unable, they being Youngstown State, unable to do that. So it's a nice win for the Bears. They have one more game remaining. They'll close the season in Terre Haute next weekend against Indiana State. And again, it's a game very similar to what the Bears played yesterday, too, in terms of level of competition. But over and above all of that, this has not been at all even close to the season that uh, fans and media and coaches and players thought was going to develop, and it did not do so. What do you think's in store for the Missouri State Bears? There's been t- some talk that Coach Petrino will leave after this season. No, I, don't, I don't believe it. And you don't you don't think that, and I, I trust your opinion on that. So where do he goes from here? What do you think he does? Well, recruiting, number one. Yeah. And they're already recruiting at a high, high level, and they have to because both, both levels of line, both the defensive and offensive lines, need help. Uh, you do have the transfer portal to go to, but much of this year's team was made up of transfer portal individuals and it has not worked the chemistry and i'm assuming this is the case without knowing it the chemistry of the team just really never seemed to gel at the key time they lost games they shouldn't have been losing so i do think the bears uh, the coaches are out well right now 
They're out scouring the hinterlands for individuals who can help them defensively and offensively, but you also have to remember you're recruiting against everybody else too, and it makes a very big difference. Besides the Bears football team, the Lady Bears and the Men's Bears basketball teams are starting their play. How are they doing so far this well, year? Well, both have opened up with wins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack on that. The Lady Bears opened up with a loss. They were thumped by Missouri in their opening game. That was last Monday night. And Missouri came to town with the Frank girl from Stratford leading the scoring with 17 points. And Missouri won rather handily. Missouri's pretty good how good remains to be seen because they happen to be playing in the same conference and the same division with the defending national champion, South Carolina, and with Tennessee, and with a very good and improving Kentucky team. Oh, boy. this is the women we're talking about now, and they're, it's a tough assignment. Lady Bears lose to that team. They do play, they being the Lady Bears again, Tuesday night play SLU here in town. That'll be a very nice little test for them. The Bears opened up their season playing Missouri S&T. You are allowed to play in Division One, 1D2 team and have it count. And that game did count. And the Bears won it 82-47. to 47. Missouri S&T got down there. They, they scrapped, but they did not have the level of athlete, and that's the way it's supposed to be, uh, that at a D2 level that a D1 team has. Or anywhere near as physical nor as quick. Now the Bears do get a test when they go on the road Wednesday night. This is their next game. They go to Provo, Utah, play uh, play, uh, Brigham Young. Uh, Brigham Young is coming off a very, for them, dispiriting loss to nationally ranked San Diego State, and that occurred in Provo. Brigham Young does not lose games at home very often. No. But they did last week. They lost to the San Diego State team, so they will be, and I'm assuming they haven't played again, They'll be hungry for this one. Bears team is good. They can score. They have a lot of cohesiveness, but they are all new. And they are new to each other, still coming together. It's a pretty good coaching job that Dana Ford has in front of him to blend an amalgam that's going to win for them. But if anybody can do it, he can. That's what I was going to ask you. I I know it's early, but have you seen any sort of indication of what the identity of this team is going to be here? Are they going to play tough inside? Are they going to be a three-point team defensively? What what have you seen? The early going or early idea that I got from seeing them play against Missouri S&T is that they can shoot. It's a very good perimeter offensive shooting team. Have several individuals. Leading scorer had 18 points. He was a transfer from Arkansas. The next leading scorer had 13 points. He's a transfer from Oklahoma. These guys are nil. They're all, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, transfer portal players. Yeah, maybe they are getting some nil, too. I don't know about that. But the transfer portal, they can shoot. But again, you're making a determination from having played a game against an inferior opponent. want to see them play something that is a whole lot more at their level, which we will see against Brigham Young, and then from there on in, because the rest are D1 opponents who they have. Did you go to the game? Uh-huh, sure. And how, what was the crowd like? The crowd on Wednesday night was listed at 3,200. You always say listed. That's a qualifier. It's called, it's called the announced crowd was 3,200. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't really feel like there were that many there, but just like yesterday's football game, the crowd was announced at 5,200. I didn't feel like there were that many there. But again, that's mine's a perception. I don't have the numbers to prove it. When we come back, we'll have our picks as we get set for the Chiefs and the Jaguars coming up right here on 104.7 The Cave.
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Sunny 41 for a high, 21 for an overnight low right now. It's in the 30s with cloudy skies out there. That's your weather update. <laughs> I'm 104.7 The Cave. Though Neb will tell you, this is not a weather show at all. It is time for us to do our picks to tell people what we think is going to happen in today's NFL matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before we do that, Ned, I have to play this. Ned's ironclad rock-solid pick of the week. All right, what is it, Ned? (laughs) Ironclad. My ironclad is made of jello at the moment. (laughs) It it has not been coming through at all. In this one, though, uh, I think maybe the book out in Las Vegas has learned its lesson. They had the Chiefs as a 12-and-a-half point over Tennessee, and that didn't prove itself. And the Chiefs have not been very good this year in covering the spread. I think they're 1-5 and in their last six games, if I'm not Mm. mistaken. The spread for this game is 9-and-a-half. Jacksonville's a nine-and-a-half-point dog going into this game. Nine-and-a-half is kind of a hybrid number. Uh, I'll tell you, I think Jacksonville goes out and plays tough, but I think Kansas City's whole objective here is to establish their reputation early, get off to a big lead, and then maybe take their foot off the pedal and play conservative football. I'm guessing that's going to happen. I think the Chiefs win, and my score here is probably going to be about, let's say, let's say 30 Thirty to nineteen over Jacksonville. See, that's the problem with everything. We're more concerned about the spread than we're concerned about the actual Chiefs' record. Joe, when you have chocolate chips on, you're concerned about a hell of a lot of things. <laughs> All right, Alec, what do you what do you think today? I. I think this Jacksonville team has played tough all year, and I think we see more of that. I think the Chiefs have such a propensity for flashy play that we expect that to translate to massive score differentials, and that's just not always the case because this is the NFL. They're playing against good teams. And you know what? Professional athletes. They're all professional athletes. You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) Um, So I think the trend continues that it's – I think the Chiefs do win this game, but I think Jacksonville plays them tough. Uh, 30-27, Chiefs. All right, Josh, you're not going to watch the game, I take it? No, I'm not, but I'm, I'll predict anyway. <laughs> I think since the point spread is 9.5, the Chiefs will not cover the point spread. I think they'll win, but I think they'll win like 24 to 20. Really? That low scoring? Yep. Hmm. I, well, I, I'm going to go 34-17. That may be what Alec chose. What, what was yours? 30-27. Uh, and I'll add, I don't think the Steelers have broken 20 points this year. So when you say 24-20 is low scoring, that, that hit in my heart. Oh, that, that does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to say 34-17 because I just think the Chiefs are going to come out and they're going, I agree with Ned, they're going to establish themselves to probably take their foot off the gas. Ned, you said something earlier, and we just got like a minute before this whole thing wraps up. And I just want to say, statistically, the Chiefs have not one of the top defensive teams in the NFL, but they played extremely well defensively. They have some moments when their defense does come to the fore when it has to, but they have shown some vulnerability on defense, especially the defensive backfield. If they run into a team that really has a high-powered passing attack 
if Kansas City can't put the pressure on the quarterback, then they're going to possibly run into problems. But that hasn't happened yet. And, of course, they really haven't faced any teams that are high level in terms of passing. This is in recent weeks. So as a result, I think you're probably not able to manifest the defensive vulnerabilities to quite the extent that it has. However, they give up yards on the ground, and I think probably Jacksonville will try to take advantage of that. I've been imp- very impressed by the Karlofkis kid. I think he's been really, really good. And while he's he doesn't, and while he doesn't rack up the sacks like you, you know, statistically again numbers do you want to see, he does add that extra element that frees up uh, Clark and Thomas on the inside. He is a ferocious player. He's a very aggressive player. He's a star at Purdue. For heaven's sake, he, the guy did everything. And he is quickly establishing himself as a very strong member of that defensive unit. But don't overlook the Bolton kid at uh, linebacker uh, out of Mizzou. He's played very well in the second year in the NFL now, and he's really come to play. Thanks to Ned, Alec, and Josh. Once again, happy birthday to Josh and Ned. Alec, sorry, it's not your birthday. (laughs) Tough times. Uh, Little housekeeping next week. The game has been flexed to a Sunday night game, so we'll start here at 5 o'clock. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike, the intern. Our very great leader here, Brian Tyndall, and all of you for listening. Nick Fury's up next with the game right here on 104.7 The Cave. Enjoy. Enjoy.